Hello and welcome to another episode of the Revolutionary Podcast. This is Tito Sotolongo, your podcast pastor, as well as pastor of Tabernacle of Church. And my purpose is to help you find faith in Christ and follow through in your life. And this past Sunday was Family Weekend, where I shared a message about how to grow your faith and pass it on to others that are in your biological family, cultural family, or your church family. Now this doesn't happen by accident. It needs to be purposeful and personal. If not, you won't just waste your time, but you could waste an opportunity to make a lasting difference in the life of others. So let's get started. Uh, we're gonna do something a little different, and so I've never done something like this, and so uh, I have one message today. Normally I like to bring a series, and we talk about an idea and a topic for a couple of weeks, but today we're just gonna focus on one thing for one day, and I figured, you know what, if we're gonna start with February, I think it would you know, be great to start with this topic, family. So we're going to do a little family weekend kind of a thing. So the focus is going to be on family. But this is if you have a family, meaning you have kids, all right, this is going to be for you. You're going to get something out of this. If you want to have a family one day, anybody there? I'm like, yo, I'd like to, right? One day I'd like to have a family. So just kind of tuck this information for some time later. But here's the thing, though. I'm going to show you how to apply it today so you can get ready for that family. You don't have to wait someday. And by the way, look, anybody here a part of a family? Yes or no? And look, I'd say yes. You are all a part of a family. And if you are a believer in Christ and you are part of this church, guess what that makes you? Church fam, all right? You have family too. So I wanted to start today on this family weekend and talking about a message on family by sharing a quick story about my family. And I got a picture that I want to share with you. You got it? I want to make sure. Is it, is it there? No, no, the picture. Uh, next one over. You'll see. <laughs> All right, check this picture. All right, that is my youngest. That is JJ. He was maybe two, going on two, so he was almost two years old. You can see there, he's probably the most photogenic out of the three that I have, you know, always, I mean, got that smile on point, always. So, um, I got to be honest, I hate this picture. Listen, I'm not kidding and I'm not exaggerating. I loathe this picture. And it's not because, obviously, JJ's like, you know, he's the only thing good about it. You know, he's super cute in there. And it's not because I was 30 pounds heavier, okay? It's not the way I hate the way I look because that was true. I was, I was a whole lot fatter there. You just can't tell because I'm wearing a super fat shirt, but whatever. I hate this picture because of who I was at this time. That was normal for me for years. What you're seeing there is a snapshot of just who I was. And here's the thing, I had, at this point in my life, I had two full-time jobs, okay? Two full-time jobs. I was a uh, teacher, high school teacher, and, and a pastor at the same time. Now, anybody, any teachers here, or, you know, but was, I don't know, maybe not. Okay, okay, here we go. So listen, teachers, teachers, teaching is considered to be one of the most stressful jobs out there. And another job that's considered high-ranking, being a pastor. I had both jobs, okay, at the same time. I had them both at the same time. Two high-stress jobs. I would leave uh, work. I would leave home every day, leave Alicia with the three kids. I would leave home every day around 6 just to make the drive, do what I needed to do. Just, I mean, do what I needed to do with high schoolers, you know, all the time. It was crazy. And then coming back, coming back, I'd get home around 5.30 or so, just in time maybe for dinner, just kind of start to unwind. It was, you know... It's kind of crazy, only to maybe eat dinner, play with the kids for a little bit, and then out came the laptop, 
back to work, emails to follow up with, things to social media posts to create, sermons to write, okay? I'm doing a good job, right? I'm doing something good, or at least I thought I was. And I hate this picture because when I look back at it now, I can't believe, I hate how much time I wasted. I wasted a lot of time. Mainly because, guys, look, I was so busy, I couldn't even take two seconds to turn and smile for a picture. That's what it was. Now, this picture, I saw it, and I didn't like it, but you know what? I was too busy. I had work to do. I had God work to do even more. I had a good excuse. Let me keep plowing on, keep going. Well, then JJ did something not too long after this picture that really opened up my eyes and realized I'm not doing good. Me, I'm not doing good, and I don't think I'm doing a good job. And I was, again, at the dining room table. Dinner was over. Kids were playing. And guess where I'm not? With the kids. Guess where I am? At the dining room table with that laptop. I probably spent for a good maybe couple years, I probably spent more time facing that laptop than I did facing my own kids. And so, uh, in my house. So then, JJ one day, he goes, and, and this is what shook me when JJ, that same kid, around the same age, just about maybe two, I hear him, the, 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 you know, the irking of the, you know, the chair just kind of scrapping, you know, just trailing the chair over to, to the table where I was. Then out popped on his little Fisher-Price toy laptop. He opens it up and goes, Daddy, Daddy, I work. I work. I didn't say, oh, I said, uh-oh. Okay. I don't know why. That, that bothered me. I was like, Daddy, I work. It's like, did he at two years old feel like the only way I can spend time with Dad is I got I to gotta work too? You, you see that? that? That bothered me. I literally said, uh-uh, nope, shut the computer down. I went to go play, and then it was that day I had some serious talks, serious conversations, because I was like, I, I, I don't... I don't think I like where I'm going. I don't like where I'm going. And I'm doing a lot of God stuff. I don't like where I'm going. I, I wasn't spending time. I wasn't spending enough quality time with, with, with Alicia, with the kids, this and that. I mean, I was giving myself away to everybody, and I, had any, I didn't have anything left over. I was, and so here's, and, and this whole thing started making me realize, and I started looking at that moment. Here's my kid trying to mimic me. And I'm like, wait a minute. Is this the kind of child? Is this the legacy that I want? Does my kid think that, oh, following, being a Jesus follower is being a workaholic? You see, it, it, does that mean, is, is that how I'm going to pass on my faith? By them just being a spectator of me just living it out. And so that, that bothered me. That bothered me. And I wanted to make some changes. And I read a Bible verse that for real, I mean, if I was serious, which I was, I was like, I need to change. I don't like what I've been doing. I can't make up this time. And then I read a verse that bothered me even more, that if I had a little flicker of I need to change, this put gasoline on it. And it's Judges 2.10. I don't have it for you. I just want to read it to you really quick. Judges 2.10 talks about how a whole nation, a whole nation, this the nation of Israel, had just conquered the promised land. All right, so they, they had fought. This was after Moses, after this. And they go, they conquer the promised land. They achieved the dream they were fighting for for decades. They did it. They accomplished it all. And you would think, whoo, here we go. This is it. The good times are here to stay. But Judges 2.10 says, and when that generation who won everything, oh, I have it. When that generation came and they passed away, they all died arose a new generation after them who did not know the Lord or who did not know what God had done for Israel. That bothered me even though I was like, that's it. Because here, this verse taught me that it is possible to win battles in your life and you still lose the war. Because this here, the nation won all the battles. They won, they achieved the dream only to lose the war for the next generation. They try to do it all to, to give their home, their kids what they didn't have. 
to give what they cared about, what they didn't have. They didn't have a home. These people were nomads. They were slaves. Now their kids get to live free in a new country, live free and and chart their own destinies. Yet they were so busy fighting battles, they never took time apparently to tell them why they were fighting to begin with. They never took time to tell them about the stories of, these are kids who saw as kids, teenagers, God open up the Red Sea and do amazing things. You You wouldn't think that would be a story worth retelling over and over. Guys, let me tell you about that one time when I was your age. I saw Moses standing. Wouldn't that be a story to tell? And then there was 40 years of them doing things. And then the fighting inside. I mean, God was doing miracles for decades. And apparently everybody was too busy. They couldn't take time to be with the kids that mattered most, the people that mattered most, and their own family. And so for years, if you know, if you got kids, then that, that should bother you like it bothered me. That you could be, hey, do work in your, you know, till you're down to the bone trying to provide money, provide this, provide everything that your kids didn't have. But listen, be careful because if you have kids, don't try to give them all that you have and you don't get you, that you never had and you fail to give them what they need, which is you. You catch me on that? There's no amount of money that can replace you. No amount of money. And if you don't got kids, listen, you got families. You got people that you care about. You got friends that, I mean, I know none of you here want to be able to feel like you lived your life only to feel like at the end you wasted it. Does anybody here want that revelation? You don't want to feel like you just did this and accomplished all only to realize, my gosh, like really, was it worth it? Was it worth it? And then even more, even more, if you're a believer in Christ, listen, you know, one of the biggest things, and, you know, I guarantee you, you have a heart for friends, for your own kids, maybe for your spouse, that you want them to be saved. You're struggling. You got your battles that you're dealing with and you want others. How can you do that? What do you do when you realize, man, I've messed things up or things are out of hand, out of control? Well, here's something we all can do. Ready? And here's a phrase some of you might not know. Most of you might not. Here's something you can do. Yeah, you charge it to the game. That's something you can do. You charge it to the game. What this, this is a cultural phrase, which means this. It means that things are not going the way you wish they could. Things are not going the way you would love them to be. Or you've made mistakes, and you realize you can't do anything about it. You, you ever been there before? You realize that, look, I just did that. I screwed up. I can't go back and fix that. It happened. Or something happened in your life that you didn't mean. You know, something happened to you, and you didn't ask for it. You didn't deserve it. It just happened. Well, to charge the game means, look, I can't control that. I can't go back in time. So what I, all I can do is not worry about it and put it in the past and move forward. That's what that means. Now, there's a bad way to do that that we can't do, and that's a passive. You can't be passive with that. You know what passive means in this case? It means, you know what, I can't do anything about it. Yeah, things ought to be better, whatever, I messed up. Hopefully next time I'll get it better. Hopefully next time I'll get it right. You know, well, let me just keep going and see if I get a different result. Passive is not how you do this. Y'all catch me on that? Because that's what I was doing. I was living on autopilot. I was on passive, thinking I'm doing the right, thinking I'm doing okay. And I realized I was not. I was not. I wasn't spending any. I spent the majority of the time I spent with my kids was at the dining room table and then putting them to bed. And then after, I got to work. I got to work. I got to work. Same thing with Alicia. I was like, I, you know, I can't right now. I got to do. I got to do it. You know, I'm preaching. That's a big reason, right? That's a good excuse. How, how are you going to argue that? Huh? How are you going to argue that? I'm like, well. So you don't want to do this passively. Here's what you have to do, though. You ha- it has to be personal, though. It has to be real. It has to be so deep inside that, look, no, I don't want to just win battles. I want to win the war. Anybody here want to win the war or you just want to win battles? You're not going to win the war being passive. You have to be 
Say this with me. Say personal. And look, and if you want to make a difference, you talk about winning battles and losing the war, let me talk to the church real quick. Okay? You know that it is possible for a church and Christians to be so full of busy Christian activity that you don't, in the end, you know what matters most is not your busy Christian activity. What matters is, is that, did that activity lead to anyone's resurrection? Did that lead to anyone's salvation? God's not looking at you and be like, all right, how many, how many volunteer hours did you log in with your life, buddy? Oh, okay, no, not bad, not bad. What matters is not, if, you know what faithfulness, the kind of faithfulness God wants from us? It's called fruitfulness. That you did something that passed on to someone else. That you made it, now you, you, we can't, let's not live in the past. That's what means charge of the game means. You can't live in the past. Because if you live in the past, you're going to repeat the same mistakes of the past. You catch me on that? If you live in the past, you're going to keep repeating the same mistakes from the past. You got to charge it to the game. You got to let it go. You got to put it in the past, leave it there. And you got to start from now on, and you got to take it personal, right? You ever seen in the movie, something happens, and they're like, oh, 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 now it's personal, right? Anybody seen one of those, right? And like, and like oh, you, no, before, like, but now you said, oh, now it's personal, right? What does that mean when somebody says that? Now it's personal. It means, oh, I'm going to do something about it. So how can you have, even let's say for believers, how can you have such a personal faith that is so powerful that it can impact lives, that can impact lives? Your kids, your friends, your neighbors, those you know that need Jesus. Well, we're going to talk about that today. How can you have personal faith so you can win your war? How can you have personal faith? Well, we're going to do that by looking at how God led Moses to teach the nation of Israel how not to only to grow their faith, but to have but to pass it on. So making a difference. So let's check it out. So we're going to look here, Deuteronomy 6. I'm going to read. We got a couple verses. I'm going to read the first one for you. Deuteronomy 6, it says, listen, Israel, listen up. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. So if you want to have personal faith, you got to first recognize that God needs to be personal for you, though. If you want to have personal faith that's powerful, God needs to be personal. Look what Moses starts off by saying. Listen, the Lord, he didn't just say God. Listen, he said the Lord God. The Lord means he ain't just God. He's God, God. He's in charge. The Lord of lords, king of kings. Ain't nobody else. And notice he says he's one, meaning the only one. There is only one God. He, and he's not just a God that you can, like a genie and a bottle, none of that stuff. Yo, he is See, not some of y'all are going to sing that song. All right, all right, 90s kids. There you go. All right, so anyways, you're, it's, it's bigger than that. He just can't be the Lord God. He has to be the Lord your. Notice he said the word our. You see that? Do you know what that our means? It doesn't mean that we own God. Ours doesn't mean we own God. Ours means that we have a relationship with this God. This is a personal God. You know, in the scriptures, multiple times God says, I am yours and you are mine. I give you all of me. I give you all of me. And Moses trying to help them to see, listen, God as your identity, God needs to be personal to you. Is he your God or just a God? You follow me? Is he yours or is he a God? Now let's look at the next one. Here he says in verse 6, verse 5, he says, love now the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your mind, and your strength. So what's our response to this personal God? Well, God needs to be personal, and your love needs to be personal. Notice he says, love him with how much of you? All. Now, by the way, your all, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, it's all, uh, uh, you know, sides of the same dice, okay? It's all of you. It's everything of you to your core. That's what all God wants. 
If God is our identity, love ought to be our activity. That's it. Okay? God is personal in your life. And your love for him is not superficial. It's personal. It's coming from a deep place. That's all God wants. That's the activity he wants is your love. But he doesn't stop there. Moses drops this one other bomb. And I'm going to read 6 through 9. Look at this. These words I'm telling you. Y'all need to listen to this one. These words that I'm telling you. He says, I'm giving you today. That I'm giving you today are to beware in your heart. Whose heart? Mine, yours, right? So not just mine, yours and ours, all of ours. This needs to be in your heart. And then he repeats, says, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. I highlighted what word over and over and over again there. You, your, you do this. You, 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 your. So, guys, listen to what God is trying to communicate through Moses. Listen, God is a personal God, and our love for him ought to come from a personal place, but also understand that, re- that you need to take personal responsibility. There's a, there's a responsibility on your end. And notice he says, hey, don't wait for your kids to ask questions, right? You spark the conversation. Mom and dad, I'm telling you now, you spark the conversation. Hey, kids, I'm talking to some of y'all. Uh, I know it says, well, that's not my job. He's saying, that. look, hey, you can spark the conversation too. You ought to. If you got parents, don't, don't shake your head at me. I'm telling you the real. I'm telling you the truth. Okay, look, if you, got, if you got parents here, you spark the conversation. If you don't got kids, you married, you start the conversation. You spark the, you at work, don't wait for somebody to ask you about Jesus. Find your open spot. Take it. Okay, you don't wait for them. No, you. You talk. You, this is the conversation that we're not just supposed to have in the house. It's outside the house. Okay, at your so I'm gonna throw this, you know, speak about this. Don't be afraid to share and speak of this God at your house, in your house, at your local Walmart, okay, at your job, at on your phone, okay, all at, at your Super Bowl parties or whatever you're gonna do, right? Like, talk about it, talk about it. This is not supposed to be a this is a private experience that ought to be made public. Y'all catch me on this because this is and notice he says this has to be in your heart. Why? Because you can't hand off what you don't have. You know what we call that in football? It's called the fake. Okay? Right? It's a fake. A fake handoff. Right? A fake. It's a fake pass. Right? You just, okay, what? You ever done that with a dog, right? You just like, oh, hold on. And you got it. And, right? And then the dog's just like, well, look at him. I was like, stupid. I was like, right? I love that. It's funny. Right? That's funny. And so, but that's called a fake. What is it when you try to do something you don't have? It's called being fake. So when you try, when you try to live out a faith that you don't have, you fake. You fake. And you can't pass off anything to the next generation. You can't pass off anything to your friends, your coworkers, your family. If you don't got it, you fake. Because it's fake. You have nothing. You can't hand off what you don't have. You know what's sad? Check this out. I read the book of Judges to you, which was written after the book of Deuteronomy, or in this case, where Moses was speaking. This generation that Moses was talking to, hey, tell this to your kids. Teach them about who God is. Teach them, love them, model this to everyone. This is the generation that I spoke to you about in Judges who didn't do it. The next generation, the generation following this generation that Moses is talking to, they didn't know God. They didn't know what God is like. They failed. They didn't do it. This is the same group of people that now has passed away in Judges 2, and they won battles, but they didn't take time to stop. 
and to talk and to share, they, they lost the most important battle, which was for those who mattered most. And then from Judges 2, the nation spirals out of control. And so, guys, with this, this is where, I, you know, I want to help you guys. How can you make sure you're not just going to fight your battles, but you're going to win your war? You know, one thing is one point from all of this that we got to learn. Because if now we're going to repeat the mistakes of their past or in yours, here's one thing you got to remember. You cannot ask anyone to be what you are not becoming. Y'all follow me there? You can't ask anyone to be who you are not becoming. Let me talk to the parents real quick. Okay? Moms, dads. All right? If you cannot expect your kids to take, to take church as a priority, if they don't see you take church as a priority. You see that? That's a, oh, my God. You like that one, I guess. Listen, you can't, expect, you can't expect them to pray and read the Bible when they don't watch you do it. You can't expect them to be what you are not becoming. You can't expect them to respect authority or respect you when they don't even see you respecting your spouse. Am I done or should I keep going? Okay. <laughs> Y'all catch me on that? You can't expect your kids to behave and say, hey, here's what God says. Here's what. And you don't. What do we call people who says, do as I say, not as I do? Fake. Hypocrites, right? You fake. And, you, and kids will grow up and they'll see that. They'll see, you don't really believe that. So why should, why should I? I see you, mom. I see you, dad. You, you, you acting like an angel on Sunday, but the second you get back in the car, by Sunday morning, you an angel. By Sunday afternoon, you a demon. I see you. This ain't real for you. This is a game. This is a game for you. So when, when the second I can and I don't have to come, I'm not going to because it ain't real. Because if it was real, you, I, it, you ought to be real. It'll be personal. Y'all catch me on that? So you can't ask anyone to be what you're not becoming. Guys, listen, you can't become if you pretend, okay? You ever heard that phrase, fake it till you make it, right? Fake it till you make it. Listen, you, fake it till you make it don't work with God. Fake it till you make it won't work. You can't, you can't make it if you fake it. You can't become if you pretend. If you want to just say, oh, I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm living life blessed. I'm glad, like we sang earlier today, which is a place where we all want to be, right? Oh, he's made me glad. Really? Really? Right? You're singing it on the outside, but you complaining on the inside. You know, like, it, it's like, has he? You, you cannot become if you pretend, like, oh, I'm good. I, I can't show, I can't show my kids I'm struggling with something. I can't show my kids I'm struggling with something. I, I can't, I have to be strong. I have to be strong. I gotta, I gotta be, I'm the one. I gotta hold it together, right? The men, I, I, I gotta, I, I can't show. You know, I, I can't let other people know. I can't, I don't want anyone to know that I'm struggling with my marriage. What does that look? I don't want that look. I don't want that look. I don't want people talking that I'm struggling with my money. I don't want people struggling. I don't want people to know I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with my own kids and I, I come off like a, like a stupid and a doofus. I don't want to come off, so I'm just going to pretend like it's all good. I got the smile going. We perfect. Listen, you'll never become if you keep pretending. That's why I said you got to make it what? You got to make it personal. You got to make it personal, meaning that at some point, at some point, you need to have persons in your life you can be real with that can call you on your garbage, call you when you fake because they love you, not to criticize you. You'll never become any better if you keep pretending. Listen, don't be afraid to say, oh, I'm, I'm not, even more parents, yo, listen, and, and even Christians who look, don't be afraid. Your kids need to see your struggles. They need to see how did you maneuver the circumstances that now they're dealing with. How can, you need to show them 
If you have a current doubt right now, how are you wrestling doubt with faith? They need to see you wrestling. They need to see when you make a mistake, you apologize. You apologize to them. They need to see that. Your friends need to see that. Don't make it in the goal. You know, if, if I got this look, I, I'm the only co- I'm the only worker, you know, at my job that that a Christian. Yeah, you know, I, I got to try to put a face on because if I, I don't want them to think anything less of me. No, because they'll never know what you know if you try to pretend. You can't hand off what you're trying to hide. You see that? You can't. And so don't pretend. You can't ask. You know when you can't ask people to be what you yourself are not becoming. Your focus is that's your responsibility. How are you becoming? How are you becoming? So how can you do that? Well, if you want to become better, you got to learn to make better deposits. You got to put better deposits not in your bank account, better deposits in this call, this bank account. It's called your soul. Okay? Listen, you those of us, right? We got if you got jobs and stuff, what do you do? You go to jobs, you you make your money. What do you do? Then you make a you make a deposit. Why do you make deposits? Cuz you know that withdrawals coming, right? You know that mortgage got to come out. You know that insurance got to come out. You know that that, that grocery bill got to come out. You know, you, you know that, that, that situation got to come out, right? You know, that offering got to come out, everything, right? All of it, okay? You know, that's coming out. Stuff's coming out. And what happens if you don't make enough deposits and you withdraw too much? You over, you overdraft, right? Have anyone, oh, look, no, don't say, has anyone ever? I'll admit, I've done it, okay? Sucks. I hate it. Oh, my gosh, right? When you just did, like, did the math wrong and you forgot that one bill, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, like, oh, and then you see that negative, the bill, oh, they got, got charged, that penalty, right? When you overdraft, you, uh, uh, you, know, you obtain a penalty, right? Because you did not have enough money, and you get penalized. Well, here's the thing, guys. You know that, look, life, yo, we constantly withdrawing, right? You're at your job. You, you got to give. You know that your, your boss is asking of you. Your, your coworkers are asking. Your the employees, your customers, right? That's a withdrawal. You know, your family, they're asking, they need. There's withdrawals in your marriage. There's, you got to make withdrawals with your kids, with your friends, in church, your neighbors. Your, you, there's withdrawals all the time. If you are not purposely putting deposits in your soul, and you're because the withdrawals are coming, okay, you're not going to become anything. You're, you're going to be bankrupt in your soul, and you're going you're gonna to get a penalty. You know what the penalties are when you're not putting deposits in and you're just giving, 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 and you're not putting deposits in? The penalty is stress, anxiety, fear, loneliness, because you empty. You're giving out something you don't have. And if you withdraw enough on your mortgage, what's going to happen? If you overdraft on your mortgage bills, what's going to happen eventually? You'll lose a house. You can lose the house if you, you can lose your car if you overdraft repeatedly listen if you overdraft emotionally spiritually all the time and you're not putting deposits you can lose a marriage you can lose your kids you can lose a life you can waste your life we got to be purposeful about making these deposits you got to be personally making these deposits so that you can become what you want to do so you can win not just battles you win the war and jesus told us the ultimate way on how to do all this let's check it out in june uh in john June, I made, up a, I made up a book of the Bible. All right, June. June ain't in the Bible, it's John. This is Jesus' last statement, his last lesson. I was like, all right, guys, here it is. It's last supper, last message. He's about to be that night arrested to go to the cross. And here's the last thing he wants to leave with his few. He says this. I give you a new command to love one another just I, has, I have loved you. 
you also are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, this looks a little different. Notice he says, what kind of a command is he giving, guys? What kind of a command is he giving? A new one. Now, prior to this, Jesus actually used Deuteronomy 6 in a conversation, right? They, some one, uh, a religious scribe asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment there is? And Jesus said, oh, that's easy. It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And, wait, and? There's an and? Yeah, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the love your neighbor was there. It's implied. It was there in Leviticus, specifically love your neighbor. And by the way, now that when you think back at Moses' statement, isn't teaching your kids and modeling, isn't that loving your neighbor? It's an essence of loving your neighbor. But Jesus was the first teacher, first rabbi, first person to show that, look, loving your neighbor and loving God is the same thing. You love your neighbor the way by loving God, and you love God by loving your neighbor. That's how you love God, by your expressions on loving your neighbor. And so, but that's, that was the great commandment. That's the great commandment. Jesus says, I give you a what? A new one. He's not saying, let me give you a new spin on the, on the great commandment. No, no, no. Jesus is replacing the great commandment for a greater one. Not saying that it's, no, it's on another level now. Because notice, did Jesus ever say in this statement, love the Lord your God and love others as your, did he, he didn't say the love your God part. Why? I mean, this is Jesus. Why didn't he say a new commandment? Love God. No, he doesn't start there. Moses, well, love your neighbor, love others, love one another as you are loved. See, by now they know the assumption is there. You love God the way you love others. You love God in the way you love others. If you don't love others, you ain't loving God. There's no love there if you're not loving one another. But then notice the first, he said that second part, love others as what? As, I, as, as you are loved, as I have loved you. So meaning that there's a relationship there. God is putting, there is a deposit from God in you. He is loving you. That's assuming that you have a relationship with him. You treat others. No longer is it treat others as you want to be treated. Nope, no more. Treat others as you want to be treated because we can be kind of warped out sometimes. You know, like treat others the way you want to be treated. No, 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 no. Treat others the way Jesus treats you. You see the difference there? Jesus defines the activity. His, so you, got, you ought to be patient the way Jesus has been patient with you. You ought to be nice to those who, and kind to those the way Jesus has been kind to you. You love others the way Jesus loves you. He is the definition. It starts there. But notice, you can't love others unless God, or you are being loved by God. You see that deposit there? You got a deposit right in here. And there's a connection. And so here's, here's what you need to do. If you guys want to become better, if you want to not just win battles, you want to win the war. You got to learn to, you got to take time. You got to ask yourself, what am I going to stop so I can start making these kind of deposits? What am I going to start? What am I going to stop so I can start doing this? And here, let me show you these two deposits that we can do. The two deposits that Jesus just showed us, you need vertical deposits and you need horizontal deposits. You need vertical, you need horizontal. Listen, I had to, when I saw JJ doing that, I was like, no, hold on. I don't like, I don't think this is, I'm not happy with what I'm passing off right now. I need to stop something so I can start something else. You see that? And listen, some of y'all busy. And listen, and some of you guys are, this is how I find myself. I was so busy doing, I didn't realize how I was doing. You know how scary that was? I was so busy doing, I didn't know how good I was doing. I didn't know what the soul of my condition was. I didn't because I was so busy. Have you ever had somebody tell you, hey, how's it going, bro? I'm oh, busy. That's not good. Don't brag. Don't be careful. You, you, you ever said, said that to somebody? Yo, how's life? No, good. Busy, but good. That ain't always a good thing. That ain't always a good thing. Busy what? 
Listen, you got to learn to stop certain things if you want to make deposits. Check this out. Look at the first one. You know what vertical deposits looks like? Intimacy with God. That's what vertical deposits are. As you are being loved by God, as Jesus is loving you, there's intimacy there, vertical deposits. You know Jesus did this? Jesus, and he was perfect. Jesus would take time. He needed vertical deposits. The scriptures would say Jesus would disappear one time. Could you imagine? It was like John and Peter was like, yo, where'd Jesus go? I don't know. Yo, we got to find him. Like, where, you know, where's Jesus? Like, you know, if Jesus took off and like, you know, do we, does he know something we don't know? Like, I don't know. Like, that freaked me out. I was like, I want to know. I want to be where Jesus is at. And so Jesus would disappear. Jesus would take off looking like, I ain't going to sleep right now. I'm going to stay up and I'm going to spend some extra time with, I'm going to spend some extra time in prayer and, and with my father. Jesus took a nap on a boat. Some of y'all need to give yourself permission to take naps. Okay. All right. You need a nap sometimes. You need a nap. It's okay. You need a nap. And Jesus took naps because he knew if I exhaust myself physically, I'm not going to be all that I need to be for people. You see that? I need to, I, I got to make these personal deposits with me, me and God. He did it and he was perfect. Let me ask you a question. Are you perfect? I'll say it louder. Are you perfect? No. no. So if Jesus need, if Jesus was perfect and he needed deposits, do you think you are better? Do you think you can last and go longer and do better without him? No, you need it too. So if you want to have this intimacy with God, guys, let me ask you, you got to stop doing certain things to start that. I had to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to stop sleeping seven hours and sleep six so I can start my day with God. I had to make that choice. I had to stop watching 10 shows on Netflix so that I can maybe, you know, watch one less so I can spend that extra 30 with Jesus. You, you, you see that? So, you know, I, I need to just, instead of go hang out tonight, instead of go Friday night, hang out with the boys, let me just go be with God tonight. You, you see, do you see that? You need the intimacy. You need the one-on-ones with God because you can't love others if God is not filling your cup. You got to have that love of God. And so I had to do those things. And at first, it's, I felt selfish. You know, let me tell you some of the things I did was that I, I would try to go to bed a little earlier so I can wake up earlier so I can start my day with God. That's what I would do. I would try to, I'm not perfect at it, but I do my best. That's my goal. And then I would start putting in exercising and taking care of my health because I was, you know, back then, what was it, was maybe 20, you know, 30-ish or so. I don't know. And I felt horrible. I felt disgusting. I was falling asleep all the time. Like, I just couldn't focus. No, don't do that to me, bro. No, yeah. Don't do that to me. I just, <laughs> don't do that to me. I felt horrible. I felt disgusting. I felt disgusting. And I think, and I was like, no, I got nothing. So I started prioritizing. Let me at least work out 30 minutes a day or 30 minutes every other day. You know what? I look at those workouts. That's therapy. That's a stress reliever. I feel better now because I'm taking care of myself. So I'm present with my kids. You see that? I'm focused. I'm in the moment. And so those are personal deposits you need to make. But not only, you don't need to, you know, if you're not making the vertical deposits, you can't make the horizontal deposits. What are the horizontal? The community. If you don't got intimacy with God, it's going to be hard to live in community because you're going to overdraft. You're going to overdraft. You are not going to have enough in your account to deal with people, right? Y'all been there. You need that vertical account if you're going to be the horizontal. If you want to be that parent, be that friend, be that child, be that spouse, you got to be a child of God. You got to get this deposit right so then you can make this deposit right. That's what you need. You need those things. You need that community there. That's how you can be. And the more you make these deposits, the more you make these deposits, the more God is filling you. You know what happens, guys? You end up becoming a better spouse. 
You, when you get that vertical deposit sin, when this gets better, this gets better. And you learn to be a better spouse. You're becoming now because you got that deposit in. You are becoming a better spouse. You're becoming a better husband, a wife, a better parent. You know, that's what it is. It's not about being perfect. It's about growing. It's that process. It's that process. You can be there. You can do things better. But here's a, here's a let, me, let me warn y'all, though. Hold on. Let me warn y'all. Because here's where all this good can, y'all can mess it up. Ready? Here's where you can mess it up. You can think now, instead of following in this relationship with God, you settle for religion. Here's what religion says. I'm going to do the, I'm going to spend extra time with God, and I'm going to serve others and spend more time with people and doing what I need to do so that I can be happy, so that I can be blessed, so that God can answer my prayers, so that. Some of y'all mean like, well, I don't see the difference, bro. I'm like, look, huge. Okay? Because the first one, this one is saying, well, let me do all of this activity so that I can earn a blessing, so that God can bless my kids, so that I can do so. No, you cannot manipulate God. You can't manipulate God. You are playing a religious game. That's the pretend part. That's, the fa- that's fake, though, that you ain't going to get the real results that way. You, a lot of people are like, well, let me, just, let me just serve people. Let me just volunteer. But listen, if you don't got the love of God, Paul says all your Christian activity is going to sound like this. Noise. It's going to sound like noise to God. You're busy. Christian activity can be nonsense if you don't have the love of God in you. But then you, you need the love of others because if all you do is have this vertical relationship with God, and like, well, let me just focus on loving God. Let me focus on going deeper with God and, and listening to more sermons and, and, and Bible studies more. And, and I, I'm going to just do it all so I can be better. Do you catch the lie? So I can be. And then what happens? What happens when you do that? If you don't have the horizontal right and the vertical, then you become, look, all stuck up. I'm like, see, no, my revelation's better than anybody else's revelation. I'm like, oh, see, they ain't doing it right what they need to do. You become opinionated instead of loving. It's different. You need them both. You need them both. And so, and so that's why when we talk about this, look, you want to win some battles? You want to win the war? You know, that's hopefully the goal. That's hopefully the goal. You need this. You got to become, but you cannot become until you face, like I had to face some of my, and I still am. That's a lesson I have to honestly teach myself every single day because I still don't get it perfect. I can't live in the past. If I want to live past my past, I can't live in it. If I want to get past my, listen, you can't get, you can't be healed if you're not real. You'll hear me on that? You you can't get healed if you're not real. If you ignore and pretend, no, you're never going to become, you're just going to be bitter. That's all it, that's what it's going to be. You can't. And so here's the one thing, well, you know, I said a minute ago, you just kind of charge it to the game, right? Charge it to the game. What does that mean? It just means, hey, put it in the past. Move forward, right? There's something you can do today. Yes, charge it to the game. There's something you can do today. But, but I'm going to tell you to do something better than just charge it to the game. Here's what I want you to do. You charge it to your God. Don't charge it to the game. Charge it to God. Because charging it to the game means, look, life is, go- life is not the way I want it to be or things. I've made mistakes. I'm not perfect. I made mistakes. I can't do anything about it. So let me just not worry about it. Let me just try to focus on today. That's good. What's better is charge it to God. Because charge it to God means my circumstances are not where I want them to be. I have made mistakes in my past, but there is nothing that my God can do to change it. See the difference? There is nothing that God can do to change it. So instead of just... Instead of just, I'm just going to put the past in the past. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to put it in the past. No, don't worry about it. But put your past, your present, and your future in God's hands. 
You put your past, your present, and your future in God's hands. And they're saying, God, I can't do this. Because, guys, I made, I found myself in that hole. Don't, don't show it. I found myself in that hole because it was me. I was trying to do it. Listen, don't charge it. Don't even charge it to the game. Charge it to your God. Give it to him. Give it to him. Give it to him. And when we do that, listen, when you charge it to God, God changes it. When you charge it to God, God changes it. You got to give it to him for him to do mess with. You charge it to him, he changes it. You know how? Because he starts, now he got the hold of you. Because you realize, God, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do to change this. There's nothing I can do. When you realize there's nothing I can do to make this better, there's nothing else I can do. God says, finally, now I get to do it. Now you're going to let me do my thing, right? Now you're going to let me do my thing. So to charge it to the game means that. It's like, oh, there's nothing I can do. Don't just charge it to the game. Charge it to God and realize, I can't do this, but I know there's nothing you can't do. So I'm going to put myself in your hands. I'm going to put my life in your hands. I'm going to put all of it in your hands, and I'm going to give it to you. When we charge it, God changes it. God changes it because now you put it fully in his hands, and that's trust there. And then you get, when you charge it like that, you know what your whole soul focus on is the fact that I am loved by God. Despite the mistakes, despite everything, God still loves me. God still loves me. Look, if you're a Christian, you need to, that needs to be a new revelation to you every single day. Don't let that get old. Don't let that become a cliche. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We say that so often that can get boring and old. No, that needs to be constantly renewed. Your prayer should be, God, show me once again just what it was like. Bring me back to that moment of who you are, of what, how much you love me. That is something that we all need to be renewed about. So, But charge it to God. Give everything to him. Listen, you got your battles, right? We all got our own battles. Some of you, you have battles inside your home. Maybe it's, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe your battles between, you know, with your kids. Maybe just, you know, you're not sure if, they're, if you're a believer. Maybe your battle is making sure, are they saved or not? What else can I do? What else can I do to make sure that my kid does better and, and is saved? You know, for maybe, you know, for yours is different. Maybe your battle is just being alone. And you're trying to deal with that. Maybe your, maybe your battle is a financial one or it's pride or it's this or it's that. You all got battles. You all got battles. But listen, I'm telling you now, when you charge it to God, here's what happens. You can charge it to God and you can win each of your battles because Jesus already won the war. You got to get that. You got to understand that. You can win your battles because Jesus won the war. He did it. He won the war. And he's the one, when you charge it to him, he'll change it. Remember in John, what did he say? If you love one another as you are loved, when you get in this deposit and you put in deposits, God is investing in you and you're making deposits. Not because you want God to bless you, because you just are, right? You see that? You're just trusting in God. You're free. You're, you realize how free you are. When you do those, Jesus said, everyone will see that you are my disciples. If you live in this way, you live with these deposits, and you live, and that's how you fight, and that's how you live. Everyone's going to see you are my disciples. You know what Jesus is saying when it becomes personal? When you charge it to God personally and you really hand it over, Jesus is saying everyone's going to notice, yo, yo, he, he's for real. That's not a game. That, that, that is how that person is. You see that love? That, that's real love. That's not fake love. What kind of love is that? Wait, hold on. And then they're going to be like, wait, they really believe what they believe is real. Could it be real? Did you see what happens? Like Jesus says, if we love in this way, that, our, that, that activity, and it's not even us, it's God in us, it's God through us. 
There's too many times we focus on, like, we're trying to get all that power to us. God, give me the strength. Give me the this. Give me the that. You know, we can be really good at focusing on, I want the power. But the, God, listen, it's not just about getting it to you. It's getting it through you. It's through. It's through. And when you do that, God opens up the eyes of your kids, of your spouse, of your family, of your coworkers. He will change it when you charge it in this way, when he changes you. The love, his love changing you, and that's not, nothing to be scared about. That is not a kind of, you're not going to change and be something that in the end, you're not going to, wait, wait, I don't want no one messing with me. I don't want to change. No, no, no. So you don't understand. This is a liberating. This is freeing. You can win each and every single battle because Jesus won the war. You give it to him. So guys, there's some of you, you, you got your own battles, and I'm going to challenge you right now, charge it to him. Realize that, well, the only thing I can do, the only thing I can do is give it to God and trust him because there's nothing he can't do to change the circumstance. There's nothing he can't do in you and through you. That's the goal. So listen, I know with some of y'all probably fighting, some of y'all showed up probably today wishing you can give up, thinking about maybe even giving up. You were almost right. Don't give up. Give it to God. Give your life to God. Give your life to the one who loves you more than you can imagine. You and I have limitations. Yeah, there's nothing that we can do of lasting value apart from Jesus. See, when you charge it to God, like we've been talking about, when we do it this way, we are doing it in faith, believing that he is both willing and able to do what is necessary. And when we charge it to God like this, God changes it. Now, I want to agree with you today if you are believing for friends or family to be saved. And as you pray, I want to make sure that you look for ways to express the love of Christ in a personal way. Because when you experience God's love in a personal way, he will impact you and influence others through you in a powerful way. Jesus said so. So thank you for listening. Until next time. And remember, God will revolutionize your life the more you revolve it around the love of Christ for you. Until next time, God bless you.